0: Father we thank you, we praise you for your presence in this place help us to overcome every obstacle of the world system to come into your presence and be transformed into all that you've called us to be God, we thank you for your healing power. Touch these bodies, God. Make them whole and complete, not lacking one thing. Touch our minds, God. Open our thought process so we can receive. God, let us hear the truth as it's being ministered. And we give you praise for that. God, we ask now that you would allow your kingdom to come in this place, as your people are doing your will in this place. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 You have your Bibles tonight. Go with me to First John chapter. 2, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, the Bible says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the eye, the lust, uh, excuse me, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Amen. I want to fix this thought in your mind, Uh, forbidden love. Forbidden love. You can be seated. Forbidden love. Aloha. <laughs> I bet they got something to talk about over here. <laughs> amen, amen. <laughs> Let me, um, I want to start by telling you that uh, when we see moonlight, what we're actually seeing is reflected light, because the moon has no light. So any light that we see, any moonlight that we see, is the light that is reflected from the sun. And we all know that if the Earth were to move in the path of uh, the moon, it would block out the light. This is what happens when we as saints when we're exposed to the light of God's word and as something the world blocks out the light that comes from Christ. The Bible says that that blockage is called the enemy. It is the world system. Amen. And it's because it is a visible system, according to what we learn on Sunday, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, that it is one of the things that is seen, and therefore it is not eternal, but the things that are seen are forever. Amen? So when John talks about here uh, the world system, what he is actually talking about uh, is an unseen reality. And what he's talking about is the, uh, not the planet itself, Earth, not the world as we see on the globe, but what he's saying is an organized system headed by Satan that draws us away from God's love and his will. It's an organized system. I told you on Sunday that uh, when God created uh, the world, he made it good. But then we found out that in Genesis chapter 4, that from that point on, verses 16 on, what we found out is that there is a system that's organized to destroy the image of what God had created. The Bible calls this uh, organized system uh, the world. And it says that if you love the world, then you lose intimate fellowship with God. Let me say that one more time. If you hang out with the world, you get further away from God. The world blocks out. The sun, if you will. Amen. The Bible goes on to say this. He says that, <clears throat> excuse me. Hmm. Okay, I don't know if I want to get that or not. Let me skip that. All right. The Bible goes on to say that uh, when the world owns your affection, it governs your choices by letting... Uh, by getting you, excuse me, to exclude God. In other words, when God gives you another choice, when you have a choice of doing something other than worshiping God, most people would choose the other thing. Mm. I know you say that you wouldn't do that, but yeah, you would. Yeah. Yeah. You would. Now you remember, let me just stop and say this. You remember that Everything around you, the cosmos, as the Greek calls it, the cosmos, everything around you is is tempting you to use your senses to experience. Your five senses are what we use to experience everything that God made. And there's nothing wrong with what God made, and there's nothing wrong with you having senses that understand that God made it for your use. The problem is, when the thing becomes more important than God, then it becomes a problem. Amen? So the Bible says here that the world, the cosmos, uh, is an entity that is hostile to God. Uh, in First John chapter four, verse four, the Bible says that greater is he that is in us than He that is in the world, so we have the authority over them. But the Bible says that the world system has a seductive influence, which Christians continually should resist. Now, in Genesis, the cosmos was created good, but the world was stained by man's disobedience. Consequently, the world or the people in the world. Remember, this is about the what? People in the world. Now, I had to make sure you understand that is because the world itself is still good, Amen. but the people who populated are a problem. We told you uh, in Genesis chapter six on Sunday. Uh, we told you Genesis six verse five that God was was distressed because man's heart was continually on evil. Even today in our society, it's amazing. We have to make laws to protect you from you. Amen. Amen. Got to tell you to put your seatbelt on. Hmm? Well, we won't get into discussions whether it's right or wrong. I'm just saying. <laughs> Amen. So the Bible says that when people came on the scene, the burden of an unending conflict with the creator began and the result of this conflict was darkness. Amen? Now, we look at two scriptures and, and I'm not going to go through them tonight but Romans chapter 1 and verse 21 and Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8. Well, let's look at Ephesians. Amen? Real quick. <clears throat> Back up a little bit. Because a lot of times we end up in a situation because uh, we went against what we know to be true. Verse 18 of chapter 4 of Ephesians says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. And look at what it says in verse 19, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. In other words, what it says is that when you move away from God, you experience spiritual blindness. To the degree, the Bible says, that you go past feeling. In other words, your conscience becomes seared, the Bible says, as with a hard iron. But look at what verse 20 says but you have not so learned Christ. In other words, we know better. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. So as the redeemed of the Lord, the Bible says that we must not love the world system. While the physical world created by God is beautiful, its people are filled with envy, hatred, deception, greed, and falseness. The world, when used theologically, refers to the order or arrangement of human society as a system warped, overflowing with its swirling beliefs, desires, and emotions. In other words, everybody is doing what they think is right in their own sight. Amen. It is antagonistic, is antagonistic to God and lies under Satan's authority. And this is a problem uh, because 1 John chapter uh, 5, verse 19 says this, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 says Amen. that Satan, of course, is the prince of the power of the air. So we know that this world system that's set up and ordered was set up by Satan and it was designed to tempt the people of God so that they would be withdrawn from the presence of God in order to be able to do what they wanted to do. That's why it's dangerous to want to do what you want to do. Amen. Hmm. The world <laughs> and everything but, uh, it, excuse me, the world, Everything but God is a system, is in competition with God. And we always are all, always have to be mindful that given any kind of freedom, we'll choose something other than God. That's why the Bible has to remind us that we are not our own, that we are bought with a price, that we are the possession of God, That's why you can't keep making decisions without consulting God. Now, that does not mean (laughs) that if something is happening in your life, there may not be time for you to stop the car, pull off the side of the road, and have a prayer meeting. (laughs) You might have to make a decision right then. But you should be so close to God that when you speak in that moment, that he responds. Amen? Amen. Amen. So worldliness, then, is not so much an activity uh, 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 as we see it, but an attitude. It's possible, this this is a little tricky now, so I'm going to read it. It's possible for us to stay away from questionable amusement and places that are questionable and still love the world because worldliness is a matter of the heart. To the extent that a Christian loves the world and the things in it, he does not love the Father. Now, let me say this because I want to make sure you get the first part of that sentence. You can spend your whole life saying, I won't go there, I won't do this, I won't say that, but that will still not keep you from being under the sway of the devil. Now, let me tell you, you keeping you away from something that is evil is the same kind of bondage that Satan wants you in anyway. Because the more you resist whatever it is on your own, it is an act of your will and not the will of God in your life. And you can only hold out just so long. And let me tell you this, because you may not, I know you know it, but you may not remember this. The devil will let you continue to go thinking that you're okay. Well, I ain't going to be around nobody that smokes, so I'm going to keep myself away from him. And he'll let you go for a long time thinking that that's all right. And then one day, you'll find yourself in a situation. Well, you know the story. You've been there, done that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen, worldliness then not only affects your response to the love of God, it affects your response to the will of God. That's what verse seventeen says of this it says, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it uh, uh yeah uh, is passing away, but whoever does the will of God abides forever, so it's a matter of I'm doing the will of God versus doing my own thing, and my own thing can can be made to look spiritual. And this is what the problem is. A lot of times, that's what we do because we look like we got all the right moves. Come on. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest problems in church, let me just back up and tell you some stuff. One of the biggest problems in church is saints who get weary and well-doing. You come to a point where you get comfortable with what you're doing because it's working. When you get comfortable with what you're doing good, the first thing you do is you build a monument to your work. And once you build the monument, then you're no longer doing it according to the Word of God. You're doing it now because you're good at it. So the devil likes it when you're you are successful at something that doesn't include him. Yeah. That's why it's, it's dangerous when people, when people really uh, 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 lift you up. Because if they lift you up long enough, you start to float on your own. <laughs> and pretty soon you start talking about I. Oh, you, you, you feeling bad? Come on, let me pray for you because you know I know how to pray. <laughs> I read a story about this young pastor who uh, had all the credentials and, and had a successful ministry, and as a matter of fact, his ministry was growing. he had over 1100 members and and things were going just great and then all of a sudden, he started feeling i don't know disconnected, didn't feel the same passion, same love and he went to see an old pastor and asked for some counseling. He said, I don't don't know. The pastor told him, he said, what happened is you got comfortable doing the same thing with those same people. Everybody was happy. You were happy, but you weren't going anywhere. And as a result, you were completely burnt out because it was your own energy Mm-hmm. But see, that's why it's bad in church when you get good at something and you don't share the goodness with somebody else so you can move away and let somebody else. <laughs> I didn't say take anything from it about it. I said move out. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Well, the thing is, and let me add one more point to that, and then I'm going to move on to my next point. Uh, See, you can't move into what God has for you unless you're willing to move out of what you have held on to forever. As far as you know, sometimes God does things that that we don't understand. Uh, A few years ago when... COVID came, all of a sudden we had no choir. Best thing ever happened to us. I know y'all don't think so, huh? don't get me wrong. Because we had a good choir. We really did have a good choir. But you know that sometimes that uh, when you get to battle won, you need to take the jawbone and throw it down. There ain't no more Philistines for you to slay. Let's move on. Okay, all right. Let me go on here. (laughs) So the Bible says, when you put these two factors together, a practical definition of worldliness is that anything in a Christian's life that causes him to lose his enjoyment of the Father's love or his desire to do the Father's will is worldly and must be avoided. If you've lost that loving feeling, you might want to check yourself. If you're not hearing from God, you don't know what the will of God is, you might want to check yourself. Amen. And be careful when you, you, you put this thing on remote control. You know, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. When you got the same words that you use over and over again, and you use the same inflection every time you do it, Hallelujah. (laughs) You might want to change up. (laughs) Because it gets to be you real fast. I'm I'm not saying it is. That's all I'm saying. If you can do that hallelujah, but there's no power behind it, then you might want to say, okay, I might need to do a thank you, Lord, or something. So I can... You know, this is all about reset, right? Uh Uh-oh, okay. (laughs) Responding to the Father's love, uh, that's our personal devotion to life, and doing the Father's will, that's our daily conduct in life, are the two tests of worldliness. Now, the Bible gives us in verse 16, it says that John has three devices that he uses, uh, that Satan uses to trap Christians. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These devices are the ones that the devil used to trap Eve back in the garden. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, And when the woman saw, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eye, a tree to be desired to make one wise, the pride of life. And she took the fruit. Amen? So if you don't remember any other Bible verse, yeah. so let's look at these three things. First of all, the lust of the flesh. It includes anything that appeals to man's fallen nature. The flesh is not the body, the physical body. Rather, uh, it refers to the nature of unregenerate man that makes him blind to spiritual truth. Uh, you know, how some people say, you know, you wouldn't know the truth if it hit you right upside the head. Uh, that's that's true, in most cases. <laughs> most of us, uh, if you have, well, if you've already been blind, that you have some issues anyhow because you won't hear. But that's a whole other story. And you would think that people who couldn't see would listen better. But that's a whole other message. First Corinthians chapter two verse fourteen says. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolish to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So if the Spirit of God is not working in you, then you cannot hear what God is saying to you. And most people who are, again, now watch this, you have become uh, profound in doing good stuff, and it has been working for you. You come to the place where you don't hear God anymore, So you just keep doing it, even though he's saying that ain't working. You need to stop. We just, because we can't hear because we're no longer in tune with God. You awesome. So the Bible says flesh is the nature that we receive from physical birth, and spirit is the nature that we receive from the second birth. Uh, John chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, y'all know what it says. Uh, We can trust, uh, excuse me, when we trust Christ, we become partakers of his divine nature. Uh, 2 Peter 1 and 4 teaches what that is. A Christian has both the old nature and the new nature in his life, and these two natures are always waging war. If you look at Galatians chapter 5, which you should know, uh, it shows us the difference. Amen. 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 You got the lust of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. Yeah, all right. God has given man certain desires, and these desires are good hunger, thirst, weariness, sex, all are not evil, the Bible says. But it's wrong when you're eating and drinking or. Uh, uh, bringing forth children and, and you're doing this in the flesh because the Bible says this, they become sinful less. How's that fast? Well, it's not, hun- not a sin to be hungry, but it's a, heart- it's a sin to be gluttonous. Mm-hmm. It's not a sin to sleep, but it is a sin to be lazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the problem is, is that when sex is misused, it becomes immorality. So we can take what God gives us as good, misuse it because we're disconnected from him, and it becomes evil. And that's why the world system has such a sway on people. It's because it is so subtle how the devil moves us from one area to the other. Amen? The Bible goes on to teach us this. It appeals to the normal appetites and tempts us to satisfy them in forbidden ways. If God says to do it this way, then you best try to figure out how to do it his way. Amen. In today's world, we're surrounded by all kinds of solicitations that appeal to our lower nature. And according to Matthew 26, 41, the flesh is weak. The Bible says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Watch and pray. Let me put it this way to you because it makes it simple. Watch so you know what to pray for. If a Christian yields to this temptation, he'll get involved with the works of the flesh. Again, if you go back to Galatians chapter five, you'll see that list. The second device that the devil uses uh, is to trap Christians uh, by the lust of the eyes. And most of us forget that the eyes have an appetite. Mm -hmm. We say stuff like, feast your eyes on this. (laughs) Amen. The lust of the flesh appears to the lower appetites of the old nature, tempting us to indulge them in sinful ways. The lust of the eye, however, operates in a more refined way. Pleasures that gratify the sight and the mind are more sophisticated than intellectual pleasures. That means that we're doing stuff that is socially acceptable and acceptable in circles that we deem to be proper. Are y'all still with me? Now, in the, in the Old Testament culture, and the, old, and the beginning of the New Testament, the Romans, were, they were big on entertainment. Mm-hmm. They had all kinds of things to keep you focused on something other than God. Today, we don't need that because we got television. Hmm. And the only thing I'm going to say about television is Psalms 119.37. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. And revive me in your way. Now let me tell you something about TV real quick. Movies, all of this stuff. Books. The stuff is not evil in and of itself. But you, you have a problem. Oh, you Oh, Pastor, I can take it. I can watch anything. It don't affect me one bit. Till you start cussing. Because it's not appealing to your intellect. It's going into your subconscious mind. I I would never do that. Yeah, you see how people on the the, the show respond to disappointment or hurt. And before you know it, you'll be responding exactly the same way. The Pastor, I'm stronger than that. We'll see. (laughs) Amen to that. The Bible teaches us here that Achan, y'all remember the story of Achan in Joshua chapter 7? He brought defeat on Joshua's army because of the lust of his eyes. Here's what it says in Joshua. Let me see. I got this scripture right here. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 21, when I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them. I coveted them. I coveted them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent. Covet is a, a fancy word for desire. I saw it, I desired it, I got in trouble. And somebody say, well, it can't be that simple. It's just that simple. Amen? You cannot feast your eyes on something that's wrong And not be affected by it. Turn away. Turn away. There are many people today who are probably addicted to pornography because they didn't kept looking. I can't say what I'm thinking. (laughs) The eyes, like any other senses, are the gateway to the mind. The lust of the eyes can include intellectual pursuits that are contrary to God's word. You mean to tell me that I can be bettering myself and be against God? Yeah. Look, some people, oh man, some people make an idol out of Bible study. well, I study the Bible every day between this and that. Don't be calling me on the phone. Don't be coming to my house because you know that's my, I take take 30 minutes to pray and I take another hour to study. That's my time. Well, what have you done? You built a monument to that. That thing now is no longer given to God as part of his will. It is now your thing. So your Bible study can become a source of your religious behavior. You might be in school taking some class. Well, I can't go to church today because I got a test. I need to study. Hmm? What'd you just do? So you put your your future. In the world's hands, rather than trusting God. See, we're people of faith, right? And if somebody alters our schedule, we're people of faith. Somebody alters our schedule, we're people of faith. What does that mean? That means that, hey, I know God, (laughs) he works all things together for my good. So I know that this inconvenience, this change, whatever this thing is, is, this is a good thing. God wanted to change it for some reason or other. And what? listen, even if I don't see the benefit of the change, the change won't kill me. Change is good for you. Amen. Nobody should have to do anything other than pay taxes and die. I don't want you doing either one right now. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? But we have these things that... Okay, here's another one now. How much time are we? Oh, yeah, okay. I I can make this. I think I can make it. The eyes, I said, are the gateway to the mind, and the Bible says the lust of the eyes can include intellectual pursuits that are contrary to God's word. There is pressure to make Christians think the way the world thinks. There is pressure to make Christians think the way the world thinks. God warns us against counsel of the ungodly. Psalms 1 and 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Let me tell you uh, what I see a lot of. Christians uh, like to talk Bible, which is amazing to me. Now, let me tell you why it's amazing to me, because I enjoy Bible as much as anybody. But what I don't understand is that when you have an opportunity to fellowship with saints, why are you trying to outsmart the other one? Amen. Amen. I don't quite understand that. We, we do a lot of uh, talking about, well, I read in such and such a book that so-and-so said so-and-so-and-so. And what are you thinking? Oh, you know, people do this. See, the reason I don't like the, uh, the, the, you know, the fellowship meetings when folk are supposed to be in church is because there's no authority. So you're having a Bible study that was supposed to be fellowship, and yet there's no authority in the group. So who knows who told the truth And who knows whether the information you shared is right? Because all you're doing is debating. Anybody ever been in a debate? If you've been a part of any debate, then you know that you can argue either side. Amen. Amen. So when you have the opportunity, let's just say uh, me, Brother Jones, and indeed and, and get together. Why are we talking about, well, what do you think that so-and-so says when it sees over here? Why are we talking about that? We, we're supposed to come together as brethren. We're supposed to be able to talk about how we build up the kingdom. Amen. That particular scripture won't... Amen. We'll get three, three Christians in a room. And the reason is, is because you have all this knowledge that you just got to share with somebody. When in reality, what you should be doing is sharing you. And if you have the knowledge, show everybody, show you, don't set, don't tell, show them you got it. Hmm. And if you show them, they'll get it. Amen. Now I know, and I I don't have time to tell you stories, but I was a victim of that. I thought, you know, when I was a young pastor, I knew everything. And I just wanted everybody to know I knew everything. And folks dropped me like I had some kind of disease. <laughs> and I remember going to my pastor and I said, I don't, I don't, I don't understand this. I'm telling them what this, this is the revelation of God. He says, yeah, but they ain't ready for it. So they can't handle it. So you need to leave them alone. <laughs> say, I learned. <laughs> the third one. <laughs> and I mean, that's good for some of y'all because when you walk away with all your smartness, they don't want to see you no more. They see you in Walmart. head. <laughs> don't you know nothing but the Bible? You got a recipe for a cake? Share that. Okay, a sandwich. <laughs> I lost my head for a moment. I forgot who I was talking to. <laughs> the third device the devil uses boastful pride of life. This is an easy one because everybody can relate to it. God's glory is rich and full, man's glory is vain and empty. In fact, the Greek word for pride is used to describe a braggart who is trying to impress people with his importance. People have always tried to outdo others. And here's this last part. And outspend each other. Now the problem is is that uh, most of us impress people with stuff we don't have. You didn't get that. In other words, uh, you showing everybody what you got, but it belongs to the bank. It ain't yours. (laughs) And folks say, uh, what's that word my daddy used to use? They liable to come get it in a day (laughs) Let me tell you a quick way to to stay out of uh, pride and stay out of debt. Mm -hmm. Do not, under any circumstances, borrow for anything that depreciates. If you're going to be spending your money on something, make sure it has some value and it appreciates over time. All right. I think my personal opinion is you shouldn't borrow anyway. You should wait until you got the money. That's. Everybody can't wait. I know that. I do know that, okay? I'm not insensitive. I understand that. But if you practice, you know. Okay, the Bible says this. The world appeals to Christians through the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And once the world takes over uh, in one of these areas, a Christian will soon realize that uh, he will lose his enjoyment of the Father's love and his desire to do the Lord's will. Now, what happens is the more you attune yourself to the world, the less you can hear from God. And sometimes we see ourselves doing great things when in reality, the great thing that we're doing looks foolish to people who are looking at you because they say, didn't you do that last week? But you don't know you did it because it's a part of you, but not them. All right? Even Christian fellowship may seem empty and disappointing if you're not close to God. Whenever you worship, uh, there's a song I've been trying to get some people to work on. they sang it here a couple of times, and I think the more ensemble did It's called, uh, What If God's Not Pleased With Our Worship? And see, that's, to me, that, that says it all. See, my concern is always, what if God isn't happy with what I'm doing? See, in the back of my head, this is always, God, you all right with this? <laughs> Amen. And the the song says, if you you ain't pleased, you'll do what? Change the way we walk, change the way we talk. Can't keep doing the same thing. Now here's the next statement. It's not that there's something wrong with others. We're talking about fellowship now. However, what's wrong is the Christian's worldly heart. Our focus is off. When we get in a group and we don't fit anymore, mm. something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's ever been disillusioned at church will always tell you it was the church's fault. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've, ne- I've never met a Christian who came to me and said, you know what, Pastor? I think church is stupid. I think you stupid. <laughs> I'm going to find me a church where I can sin. (laughs) Nobody ever says that, but that's what they're saying in their head. This ain't working for me. This is not working for me. I need more. And if you really needed more, why don't you do more? Because nobody will ever say, I'm the one that's stupid. It's important to know that no Christian becomes worldly all of a sudden. Worldliness creeps up. On a believer, and it's a gradual process. And we're going along, you know, fat, dumb, and happy. Do, 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 do. Or more like doo doo do, doo doo. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it's a gradual process, and it's it <laughs> it's a growing, maturing Christian to whom the world does not appeal. Now, you know, we can come to a place, I, I had to come to this place, and I think everybody should come to this place, where you're comfortable, whether you have or you don't have. Amen. Huh? You got a place to stay, Amen. got a little piece of bread, Amen. you ain't naked, Amen. you can make it. Amen. Hmm? But we, we, we don't stop there. We have to have, you know, stuff that people can see. We got to have a different outfit whenever we go out because people need to see us. And we, we tell people we're successful by the way we look. And you know what that does? It drives young people broke. Because they don't have the resources that you have. They don't have 30 years of clothes in that wardrobe. So they, they got to keep up with you. They have to buy a new car because you bought one. But when you become so interested in loving your father, that you don't have that issue, then change can take place in your life and the Holy Spirit can lead you and you can move into God's will. Amen? And let me close this thing out. The Bible says this, uh, that uh, the attractions of the world have no allure for the person who's comfortable in their own skin. It's because they realize that the things of the world are only toys. You know what folks say, right? Whoever has the most toys when this thing is over wins. Truth of the matter is, you don't win anything because you can't take your toys with you. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, and we close with this. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, when I grew up, when I came to my senses, First thing I did is put away my toys. And I think part of what we need to do in terms of the way we reset our lives, stop focusing on the toys and focus a little more on the toy maker. We spend too much time trying to accumulate stuff That is of no value whatsoever and it's passing away. Make sure you know one of the problems that we have in this country. Oh Lord. Okay, let me close out and then I'll talk about the country later. (laughs) Come on, stand up on your feet.